This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hunt. We're joined now by Glenn Reynolds. He is a law professor and a columnist for USA Today. He also blogs at instapundent.com. And his USA Today article we're going to discuss is Trump is FDR with the fireside tweets. What's up, Glenn? Good to have you. Hey, great to be here. All right, so why is just talk to us about this a bit? Why is Trump FDR with fireside tweets? Well, you know, one of the interesting things about FDR is that uh, he got a lot of loyalty from people, not so much from his policies, because honestly, he ran on a very different platform than he governed on, and he kind of made it up as he went along, but because a lot of ordinary Americans who were hurting felt like he cared about them. Uh, he spoke to them directly in his fireside chats, he talked about their interests, uh, and they felt an emotional connection with him and a sense that somebody was looking out for them that really sort of transcended any specific policy stuff. And I think a lot of that's true with Trump, too. Um, The white working class uh, supporters in particular, and the working class in general, black, white, whatever, uh, has been treated pretty badly by the people that run this country for quite a while and treated not only badly in terms of policy, but even more so with disdain. Uh, And I think that Trump, by treating working class people with respect and acting like he cares about them, has really forged a kind of an emotional connection uh, that may turn out to be reminiscent to what FDR managed to do. So in the in the carrier deal, uh, people have been picking this apart now, and I know Trump has had some back and forth with a, a union boss who says that it wasn't as many jobs as Trump said it was, and that it's, it's a bit exaggerated. But uh, regardless, it seems to be a public relations victory for Trump, I mean, because as you say, it makes it seem like he cares about individuals actual jobs um, and whether it's a thousand jobs or 700 jobs doesn't really matter the, the, the messaging is still the same and these are exactly the kinds uh, these are exactly the kinds of employees and and people that are just working for a living that trump was saying all along on the campaign trail he's going to help out no i mean i think that's absolutely right and you know he made that specific promise uh, about carrier uh, president obama actually mocked him about it and said how's he going to do it you got a magic wand uh, and then Trump went and did it, and I think that, that looks pretty good. And it does send the symbol of caring. And, you know, there's a piece in the New York Post today by Selena Zito, who's a reporter who, you know, really got out and talked to people all over flyover country and all the little towns in a way that very few reporters did during this election. And she says even the anti-Trump working-class voters are starting to have second thoughts, uh, and it's partly because they feel like Trump really has gone to work for them, and it's also because the Democrats uh, and sort of the pundit class have doubled down in their contempt uh, for working-class people, uh, basically saying, well, if you people gave us Trump, then screw you. Uh, so it's really uh, driving people into Trump's arms, uh, and I think that as long as the Democrats keep yammering about fake news and uh, you know deplorables and all that stuff, uh, that's going to continue as well. What do you think about the criticism that are being leveled about about winners and you know picking winners and losers? Now, this is something you're hearing both from Democrats who want to undermine this sort of Trump 
pre-presidential victory, as well as a, a fair amount of conservatives who say that th- this sets a bad precedent. I feel like there's a, a moment in time now where people are starting to starting to sense that the the perfect should not be the enemy of the good, or rather, yeah, free market principles are fantastic. But for example, is is a tax uh, is a tax break for a company is that cronyism, or are we opposed to taxes and we want there to be tax breaks? I mean, it, it seems to me like there's a a moment where we can have a discussion about how the market is not a completely level playing field right now. And so, go ahead. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, talk about picking winners from Democrats is pretty rich, considering that uh, that's been Obama's policy for years. It's been complete cronyism. And, you know, Solyndra uh, was $700 million. Uh, this was $7 million. It was 1% of a Solyndra. And unlike Solyndra, actually did, like, save some jobs. So, I mean, I think, I think Democrats uh, have no basis to complain about this. Uh, their only complaint is that it's somebody else doing it uh, and not them. Uh, I mean, I do think it's a much more legitimate sort of, you know, conservative libertarian criticism about picking winners. Uh, but, you know, uh, what Trump actually has said is, uh, once my tax policy goes through, once I lower the corporate tax rate, uh, and once I make it possible for companies to bring a lot of money back from overseas, uh, everybody in their right mind is going to want to have a business here anyway. Uh, so the carrier thing is maybe more of a one-off uh, than, than the way he plans to do business all along. But now, if that will turn out to be true, it'll be great. If, in fact, it doesn't, then it won't be. I mean, the tax code is, is 70,000 pages not because it's trying to make the playing field level for everybody, right? I mean, this, this is part of, uh, I, I think, on on the one hand, you have Trump putting people in places like we were talking about last hour, the Small Business Administration, to peel back regulations, the EPA to peel back regulations, to create that more uh, level playing field. But in the meantime, uh, there, are, is all, there are also a lot of imbalances. I mean, w- one thing that, I mean, you, you see it, I, I see it all the time on, on the media side of things, uh, there are a lot of legacy institutions and not just regulations, but even laws that support certain people in the marketplace. And that is there's current government intervention all over the place, what I'm trying to say. And I think it's interesting that there's this this sort of freak out when Trump engages in a form of government intervention. And yet that's happening all the time already. Uh, it's it, well, that's right. That's right. And, you know, Trump has never pretended to be a libertarian or even really a conservative. I mean, what he really is uh, is a sort of 70s Rust Belt Democrat, more in the mold of, you know, Scoop Jackson or uh, maybe even Dick Gephardt. And that's, uh, you know, and, and his policies are mostly in line with that. Now, 70s Rust Belt Democrats were conservative, but they what the advantage they had over most current uh, Democrats in the political classes, they actually did like America and they like the American working class. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's why I say I think Trump may be the new FDR in that regard, that he has a chance to forge a real bond with a segment of society that feels like it has not only been treated badly in an objective way, but just looked down upon. And I think that contempt, uh, which I guess started back in the 70s, maybe with Archie Bunker and all in the family, uh, that contempt for the working class from sort of the betters uh, openly expressed and proudly and smugly expressed is really the poison that's been in the American political system for a long time. And I think Trump is, is helping to draw that poison out by giving people a sense that somebody cares. Yeah, it's it seems to me that uh, a lot of the sort of free marketeers and, and free trade advocates out there, whether they mean to or not, they, they sort of are telling 
the particularly the the white working class, but just the working class in this country in general. Well, yeah, maybe you don't have a job, but, you know, your flat screen TV from Walmart's really cheap. And, you know, you can get a pair of jeans for 10 bucks. And, yeah, there are benefits, but there's also a sense of identity and belonging and purpose that comes from gainful employment. Uh, and and if, and if the, the trade-off for a lot of people is going to be you have cheaper goods, but you know you don't have a job here, well, that's something that should at least be addressed. I mean, I, I think that people want to want to believe that political leadership in this country will do something uh, with regard to making that situation better if they can. Well, I think it's funny that, like, in our political class, for that matter, our journalists uh, and such, these are people who get probably 99% of their self-image from their jobs, and yet they can't imagine that anybody else would feel the same way. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they, they seem to think that, and, or, or also that they should just, you know, people should just retrain for other jobs or positions. It's, that's a lot easier said than done. I don't, I don't know a lot yeah. of journalists who want to become welders. No, and I don't know a lot of people who'd want to hire them if they did. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the retraining thing, I mean, the big problem is there's a lot of research that says that the retraining just doesn't work that uh, people retrain for jobs and typically wind up, nonetheless, working for you know, half the wages they got before their factory closed. Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of a, you know, it, it's a sort of solution people like to wave their hands at to make it look like they've done something about the problem, but uh, it doesn't. Now, it, maybe there's not that much we can do. I mean, automation is still coming on. I guess we could do like New Jersey and, you know, ban self-service gas so people have jobs pumping gas and stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting Trump's policies are going to work. Uh, FDR's policies were actually disastrous. Uh, nonetheless, the fact that he looks like he cares politically is a really big deal. Yeah, because w- when you look at some of the the jobs programs, you know, Obama likes to talk, likes to talk a lot about uh, green jobs, for example. Uh, that doesn't really make I mean, unless you happen to be in an area of the country where those green jobs, which are almost across the border, subsidized by government in one form or another. Uh, if you're a Rust Belt person who works in a factory, if, if you're some of the and, and again, those are the people that we believe decided this last election in favor of Trump. You don't really want to hear about green jobs, you know, and, and the sharing economy and Uber and all that stuff. Well, unless you live in New York, San Fran or you know, a, a big city, um, that doesn't necessarily do it for you either. And so to your point, e- even if Trump at a sort of a macroeconomic level isn't. Uh, is, isn't making sound decisions for the long run. In the short run, at least it's, it does speak to people and they care and it matters. And, you know, what's funny is Barack Obama once got that because early on uh, he actually wanted to bring back manly jobs for working class men and, and push back against his uh, advisors who said they should be steered into jobs like nursing aides and uh, other stuff. He said that's actually women's work and they need to do something that fits with how they define themselves as men. And this didn't go over well with the Democrats, and the feminists pushed back and didn't want the stimulus money going to uh, jobs that would employ men. So most of it got diverted to uh, health services and social services and um, basically going to women. But Obama's instincts on that were actually sound, and uh, he let that go. But I, I think Trump has more confidence in his instincts here. How do you think, uh, in terms of the, the positions that, that Trump has, I mean, obviously some of them have to go through confirmation and such, but the picks he's made... Uh, for the economy, for the regulatory agencies. Uh, how do you think that's shaping up? I'm pretty happy with uh, a lot of them. I'm certainly very happy with the Mattis appointment, which actually seems to be pretty bipartisanly uh, approved. Uh, but the interesting thing is, overall, he's, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to come in and basically uh, uh, be a false flag and be a Democrat. But this is probably the most conservative executive branch we've seen in decades. 
that he's putting together on all kinds of issues, from you know the environment with the EPA pick to homeland security and immigration to, to small business to I mean you name it. Uh, and I think that uh, if he plays the Ben Carson right card right, the HUD appointment will actually help him make some inroads, which he's already starting to make among the black working class, uh, which has got to be the Democrats' worst nightmare. How is how would that work? You know, war game that for me a little bit. How would that work? I mean, Ben Carson as HUD, as HUD uh, secretary, there of course every appointment that Trump makes, even Mattis got some pushback, and they said that Democrats might not relax that seven year separation from military rule for him. And then they go, okay, okay, we, we we won't put up a fight, right? But even with Mattis, there was a little moment there where they thought they might stir up some trouble. With Ben Carson, they're saying, oh, he has he doesn't have government experience, and and clearly. Democrats are opposed to it because they're just opposed to Trump. How could Carson be useful to the administration in the way that you're describing? Well, HUD does a lot of work in poor neighborhoods, which are frequently black, and uh, it is an easy thing to do to make them feel like the administration cares by actually helping people get jobs. And it was actually a really terrific piece uh, in the Christian Science Monitor just a couple of days ago uh, by Patrick Johnson there uh, on the growth of black working class support for Trump since the election. And uh, I think that, you know, if you, it goes back to the same thing, there's a substantial number of black people who'd rather have a job than a check. And to the extent that, uh, that Carson and Trump can help them get that and feel like that's what they want, uh, he, they can peel off some votes. And that's got to be, you know, the Democrats' worst nightmare. We were just talking about Pruitt, by the way, as the EPA pick. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I saw somebody on Tucker Carlson saying he, was, he shouldn't be pick, the pick because he sued the EPA, and I thought that was sort of a funny message for the Democrats to send. That's like saying you should never appoint somebody as attorney general who's defended a criminal defendant. Yeah, that, they're making the case by trying not to make the case there for why Pruitt <laughs> so would be much. a good a good EPA head. Uh, Glenn Reynolds is a law professor. He's a columnist for USA Today. Also, his blog is instapundant.com. Check out his latest on USA Today. Glenn, great to have you. Thanks for making the time. Thank you. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645.